COVID-19 safety measures were strictly adhered to at all times during this production. Welcome to Season 2 of Uncool, the podcast where we talk to people about the uncool side of being cool. I'm Sean. And I'm Yin Ling. Back for the second time, we have Mafus, the man, of course, with the biggest beard I've ever seen in my life. And, and then I have, and then we have Jean. And this is really where I'm going to fanboy moment because, you know, Jean, uh, in case um, it means something, she wrote the Mrs. I think she wrote this Going Up episode. I think Mrs. That's the one where Mrs. Tay uh, died. And I, that's to me, that's very iconic. Your fanboy is fanboy for Mrs. Tay, right? Obviously. Because I, I, was, <laughs> I was the most hated writer then. Oh. Like, I remember we had a Growing Up um, sort of a event. And then some people actually came and said, why the hell do you kill her? That was actually my first ever script. And my hate writer is Matt. He was very nice gentleman, but he said, Jean, I think you really can write. So in the middle of directing, he forced me to write. And of all the episodes uh-huh. he gave me is that episode. I'm like, are you crazy? I don't think that's a very smart move. I'm like, new writer, <laughs> new... But to be... So I was very thankful to him. I mean, jokes aside, I think he really, like, you know, held my hand and he... Yeah. And he made me... He, <laughs> he gave me the that, episode that. with the highest ratings. Yeah, yes. yeah. For people who don't know, Jean has a very long history in, in especially Singapore television, there right? The silver hair tells <laughs> the <red> telling. <laughs> and the no, silver but... beard as well. <laughs> matching, matching. Matching, matching. Can, can, can. Not fasting, man. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's more like because it's always been behind the scenes, right? But, but I did go and, uh, I did go and uh, Google a little bit before it started. But how about you give us a little bit of introduction as to, uh, you know, what you actually do in TV first. Oh, <laughs> that will take a very long time. I shall do a, I try and do a abbreviated version of it. So I have been in television since I graduated. So yes, it's a very long time. So um, I'm glad that you say that uh, because normal viewers should not, you know, watch the credits. It's only when Marvel started the after credit, you know, then people, people start waiting. For, even the then, eights. they will wait until you know they will on, be on their phone until the after credits come. So, so it's no. So, and a lot of people for a very long time, I'm sure Mafus didn't realize that there were independent producers outside of MediaCorp. So everything is MediaCorp show. Everything is media, yeah, they don't yeah, realize yeah. there's a whole bunch of people who's doing stuff. But still, it is a very young. Industry. I think uh, ultimately my passion um, uh, is drama, so I I I I, I shan't go into the the how. But to jump to um, uh, Sean's question about executive producers, I think it's a very uh, it's a evolving term, and I think um, when I first started in drama, executive producers were the guys who basically look after the project. Lah. But um, then sometime about 15 years ago, right, I think the term showrunner came on board. And uh, before that, like if my time, the popular shows were Ally McBeal and um, uh, NYPD Blues yeah. and, <laughs> and all that. And then they, have, uh, ex- they were called executive producers. I don't think the term showrunner ever came on yet. It was after that that the, the, the writers started to take on, in US, started to take on a very significant role. Um, and you sh- they, 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 the writers become the, the, you know, very much involved in the whole process um, and, uh, you know, of the production. And that's how the term showrunner came aboard. And most of the showrunners, most I'm not all, but uh, most of the showrunners are the writers. They are the, uh, are the head writers also. They are the beginning uh, and the end of things. They're the people that the broadcaster or the platform will scold when the ratings is bad, but they are also the people who are given the credit, you know, when, you know. So, but, so for myself, like, I think I identify more as a showrunner because I hate write and I also direct some of the significant episodes for most of my series. Um, I think Mafus is the same, right? Yeah. Do you want to add on to that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, yes, like like Jean, I started off writing a long, long time ago. I think, I don't know, we may have crossed paths in TCS. Uh, they, they gave me this really dumb position called full-time, part-time. I don't know whether you still remember. It was a weird position where you work part-time but you come full-time. And they don't pay oh. you full-time anyways. That I think uh, still happens. Time, <laughs> time you don't get credits for, you don't get credited even. But yeah, you, the, the, but I, I relish the whole experience because uh, I think I told Jean before, the opportunity to sit inside like writer's room with other writers. I think 
those basically help shape how I am, not in terms of how I write, but in terms of how thick your skin needs to be. Because every time in the writer's room, everybody bashes your script, basically. Mm -hmm. Bash, bash like mad. Okay, and they don't do it because, you have to understand that they don't do it because they hate your script, or maybe they do, I don't know. But at the end of the day, the intention is to help make a better story like or better lives. It's, it's yeah, you shouldn't take it personally. I think a lot of writers these days do take things personally whenever you comment <laughs> on um, the stuff that they wrote. Maybe it's a sign of age, but I feel that we, we went through really tougher times. Yeah, <laughs> we, we do, we do. Then you just pick up, the, really... pick up the pieces at the door with your script, draft 7 or whatever. Draft 7, draft 8, I've draft 9. Oh, I've you, gone... you don't hear draft 9s now. You don't hear draft 9s You hear like anymore. 1 or 2, 3. <laughs> no, draft 15. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, draft 15. Yeah. I hear yeah. nowadays it's, it's right. actually changed a lot. It has... It's, um, I mean, when they call it tofu generation, I think it's also because of that lah. Because the people who have gone through it last time, they say now it's like what? Nineteen? Are you crazy? Yeah, <laughs> like draft three, you're done. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, but but at the end of the day, the script really does improve. There are lines from other writers. That's what I relish actually from people who are seated around me. And they're all seniors, obviously. And they have, I mean, you have the idea for that joke, for example. My background started off with comedy writing. There was a lot of sitcoms at that time. Um, and you think your joke is there, but these guys have different ideas. So mm -hmm. it'll be like, they'll come up with another line, which is better. And then somebody will try to up the other guy. And then, yeah. and you see the joke getting better and better just by throwing off certain words or adding certain words or just changing the structure altogether in terms of like the setup and the, deli uh, and the, and the payoff. So that I think is important. Uh. I think in terms of, uh, that's, that's basically how I started off as a writer. And then I took a long break. Uh, at that time, I couldn't find a full-time, full-time job, not a full-time, part-time. <laughs> a full-time, full-time job. Basically, you need to pay the bills. And I stopped. I went into publishing for a while. Uh, but I still did a bit of writing here and there. Then eventually, and at that time, I was writing in English. I had no intention of writing in Malay at all because I didn't take Malay as a second language in oh, school. Oh, yeah, you mentioned you know, that. I took yeah, Chinese. Yeah. Yeah, I took Chinese. <laughs> so, hey, fool. <laughs> So there were a couple of people from, at that time it wasn't even Surya, it was uh, Prime 12. And they were saying, hey, you should write, like, you, you know, you kind of know what to write, you know, just, just write. And then I started writing and I started pitching, but things went on uh, a bit full throttle when, when Surya came about, I think it was 2000. So in 2000, Surya then was like, hey, why do you keep doing this on a you know, freelance basis? Just, you know, come on board full on, try pitching for stuff, you know. And that's what I did. Uh. I started pitching, working for people. But eventually, um, whenever I do um, my scripts, sometimes you unfortunately see it mangled on screen. Like for the lack of the word, uh, for the lack of the word, mangled jialat jialat, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you pour in your heart and so when you write you it was a gut-wrenching scene again mother supposed to be like almost dying and then you have all these moments that you've written is high raya eve and then the mother is supposed to be dying and then you have like you put her baju on the cabinet and then the husband looks longingly at it and then while holding your wife's hand and then the tears supposed to roll down his eyes saying please if you can wake up not today you know it's too important something like that and it was supposed to be i wrote it for like about a page you know you're supposed to like really and then the husband is supposed to have this monologue where he like talks about his whole experiences what he loves what he misses about Hari Raya and all that one page 10 seconds ended up on on, on screen i was looking at it i was like uh and the problem is i wasn't i was just a writer at that time so i had other jobs and i didn't see the whole thing i was away filming another job it was a travelogue and when I came back, it was that. I was like shocked. And it was uh, the night before Hari Raya. Ratings off the roof type of viewership, you know. And then the next thing, the mother is supposed... In, again, I wrote the mother actually like recovers a bit. And then they push her with a wheelchair. And then they meet the daughters, have this heart-wrenching moment. No. Basically, the mother came back, knock on the door. Hello, kids. Hi, love, love. Hug, oh hug. It was another 50 <laughs> seconds. And then after that, obviously, the whole thing overran, right? Yeah, underran, right? 
So it was uh, basically what I call a three-minute FNN advertorial. It was basically, come, hi, Raya. Everybody drink FNN. Everybody <laughs> like... Maybe that's how show running started, where the writers yeah. couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> like, what did you do? It must, it must annoy you too, right? Something that happens to your shows, Jean. How do you manage that? Because, you know, when I was with the station, my role was mainly directing, so I, I didn't write a whole lot of scripts. And I think um, to the credit of the writers and to the credit of myself, maybe, at that time I was a director that the writers wanted to... We, 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 we actually... the. We were given like episodes and all that, right? But I remember a lot of writers wanted me to direct their scripts. So I think that was a good, you know, so I was sought after director. I think they really um, think that I, I take care of the scripts oh. because I, I, I think scripts are really the core of it and I really do. So I guess I'm very comfortable straddling both. So, so as a showrunner now, when you work with all the writers and directors, it must be like... A, a, it must be like a peeve of yours and that's when you know when my Mapu says happens yeah, that so nobody you, follows. I think I think the, the good thing about being where I am, um, unlike Mafu's from the start when I set up Oka, I had the final say. So I picked my director. So if the director's not good then I shoot myself lah. <laughs> so if the yeah, so basically I picked the wrong director, so I have to take responsibility for that. So it's either directors are not experienced enough, or they are uh, very young, or they don't care. So it's one of these. So you don't pick those that don't care. You, but the young ones, sometimes you have to try them out. And then when you try them out, you try to. It's a risk. So a lot of people don't know. Like for every um, show that we do, right? At least one to two episodes, we try out a new writer. One or two episodes, we try out a new director. And they don't know that they're, they're actually being tested, but I know I'm testing them. <laughs> so oh, at the end of it, then there's stress, nothing. Okay, stress. never again. This one cannot already. <laughs> this, one, this one, maybe we can train. Then those that never again, then we have to, we have to, the risk is we have to sometimes reshoot the thing or rewrite the episode. Really? So there, there are a few times where the writing came in and we're like, okay, uh, after six, first or second draft, we're like, thank you. Then we just rewrite the whole episode. Lah. Or fi- find another experienced writer to come and rewrite. So that's that's how we sort of like maintain the quality. That's the writing part, lah. Do you try, do you uh, work with new directors? Yes, right. Directors, directors as well. Directors yeah. So, so we we do test out new directors. Yeah. So, <laughs> so on a I don't know who's more stressed at that point of time actually, <laughs> them or you guys. <laughs> but then I never tell them that I'm testing. Them, so they. Oh. Now should I know? Now they know. Now they know. On the note of writing, writing shows come up, coming out with stories and you know and how how does a story like Last Madame come up? Because you know. It- oh right, Last Madame was actually a story that was presented to me by Adeline Fu. I don't know whether you know her. She's the writer of Diary of Amos mm-hmm. Lee. So she had this concept and she said, Jean, I watched your um historical stuff, your Circle House, your There Was a Time. Yeah. And so I think you I'm like, Oh my god, I was developing a very similar um concept at the time, like uh Tiong Baru and all that. And so when she came along I said, Oh, I love this, you know, thank you for I'm really grateful for her. And then when she that at time, she joined Oker for a very short time. Uh, and then uh, she said, do what you want with it. Then after that, she went to look after my kids' show and she said, you know, Jean, you know, do your own. So basically, I, I, I took over the whole thing, did my own research again. And I told her, I said, you know, I actually like the past story a lot more than the modern story. Do you mind if I like just, you know, ignore a little bit about the modern day story? I focus on the past. And she said, yeah, do whatever you want with it. So that's, that's how I got hold of the concept in the first place. But yeah. it's a risk, isn't it, to do like a period drama and... I mean, uh, it's, it's, such, it's a such, bit crazy it, yeah, it's for, for the niche, niche audience, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's such a risk, isn't it? I mean, That's why I say sometimes I think we're a bit of a mess. Because I saw his work too and like I'm like, this one is a little masochist. Uh. Not very smart. <laughs> always in Asian, the period ones always do better than the... But that's not true. For the longest genre. time, um, really? they avoided it. I think because okay, of okay. course. And because the broadcasters, when we... I remember when we pitched it, some, some, somebody inside said, no lah, you know, period drama doesn't do well a lot of people a lot really? there's a segment oh. of the audience who doesn't like period dramas so so it's not yeah I don't think so after Last Madame I think everybody thought that period drama would do well and then there's a whole so we kind of started the wave of <laughs> period dramas coming back for the longest time you have different rules to follow I mean when when I started pitching pitch, pitching long time ago they say don't do lawyer shows nobody watches lawyer shows do only cop shows cop shows will definitely work then oh, there was a period of time a lot. have people like Jean doing um, Lion Moms you know about about mothers and kids, yeah. and it does really well. I mean, highest rated, higher than higher than those crime shows and whatnot. So there's, I think 
being a good showrunner, you have to somehow go with your gut sometimes. Even though your gut says that this is stupid and you shouldn't be doing this, it's too expensive or whatever. But sometimes it's just... I mean, there are stories to be told. There are a lot of stories that um, I think as Singaporeans, we can tell the world, if not just other Singaporeans. Like, I mean, the world is a big, too big a stage. But uh, I think with Netflix right now, you see a lot of uh, people, Singapore audiences, the young ones, who are not only watching um, Chinese shows or uh, English shows, they are watching things uh, from India. I watched Daily Crime. I think it was, I think it was amazing. Um, I think My I son watched, watched Three Idiots and uh, Dung, what's that? Dungal? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you have like, you have yeah you have stuff like that you have stuff from um, India which is really good you have stuff from obviously Spanish, Spanish yeah, Spain you have money highs you have I mean the Koreans don't say that right Swedish. now you have the yeah. yeah so how do you then compete because you know we are clearly working with a lot more constraints than those countries right? that's that's the thing I think you have to be a bit uh, smart about things because at the end of the day what we don't have as much is probably the budget okay yeah the budget kind of restricts us from doing things that we want i think in india the budget is also not as high but because no uh, india the budgets are very high i think it's very high i don't know i don't know but i don't know which but like you're talking about tv series or whatever the budgets yeah. are a lot higher than ours sorry so i think there might be a range millions la, like, the population yeah, so, yeah, so how yeah, do you compete sure. with that like, i mean you, you get audiences who can just watch anything they want anytime and then like why would you want to choose yours I think it, it goes back to uh, the unique stories that you can tell from your perspective. And how you tell it. And how you tell it, yeah, exactly. How well you tell it. Yeah, what I mean, you, 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 you have stories, you have good actors. We, I think we have really good actors. The only problem I feel is that a lot of times you, there are scripts that don't push the actors or there are stories that don't really push the actors to where they want to go. The actors kind of yearn to do something that's really difficult, that's really challenging. But half the time they get scripts that are like, oh, I'm just going to explore this part. This is going to be like easy, close one eye. Two-dimensional. Yeah, not just two-dimensional. But it's simple roles that they can just, you know. But on that note, I really wish that, I mean, every project is a learning experience. So, I mean, I think there are a lot of good actors and I wish the actors who are out there listening also any script even the lousy script you should bring the best to mm. your table because mm. I've watched some Korean dramas you know really if you just take away the actors right the script is like <sighs> yes. I won't believe if I can imagine if another actor had played the role it, it will fall flat yeah. but because they're so good not that you know it, 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 it definitely brings out the quality but but still you know the script is at that level you can't bring it up to it but they they do. The good actors really do bring it up to, to uh, 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 at least a space that I'm willing to watch. Yeah. Do you, you know? guys write with an actor in mind or actress in mind? Have sometimes. You guys well, sometimes. I do. Sometimes. 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 <laughs> you already have that sometimes picture you don't of have who the you want to read. Yeah. No, but no, then, then sometimes, you know, man, I mean, speaking for myself, I write with this actor in mind and then it never happens. Because some, somewhere along the line, they were like, oh, no, no, I don't want this actor. They could follow the commissioning uh, yeah, team yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. And they like, oh, yeah, damn it. But, I mean, to, be, to give, I mean, yes, to, to, to give credit to some of the commissioning, the, the thing is, why Lion Moms was picked up, why Dystopia and all that was because some commissioners out there recognised it as a good idea. Mm, like, of course. Yeah, so like Lion Moms, I was totally shocked because for me, it was a concept that I, I was, it's more cathartic. It's, it's me as a new mum and, you know, you know, the whole, you know, blurness with the education system. And I just wrote the concept just to like, like it's more catharsis for me. And I think they picked it up. I'm like, hey, somebody recognised that, that it's, it could work. I, I think it's yeah. because it's relatable, right? Yeah, I mean, to me, Some, you're writing there is your no, own so problems. Told, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it, you're really right in it, you know, uh, you, you really know it because you're in it. But I always tell my staff, don't worry if your concept is not picked up. It's not because, you know, some t mostly it's not because it's a bad concept, but it's because it's just not the time yet. Somebody Aww. don't recognise it. So there are shows that I wrote like 15 years ago, then it was picked up. You know, just take it. Since you mentioned Lion's Mom, it's like the, the coming to the fourth or fifth season, right? Fourth. So how do you keep your characters fresh after four seasons of 
Four seasons is not a long time, but you can have Grey's Anatomy that goes yeah. into... Yeah, so how, 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 how do you keep characters fresh? I mean, okay, the, for this season. fourth season, I tell you, it's very easy. I take myself out of the equation. So I let the younger EPs <laughs> run it, the right younger showrunners. So I actually, I don't know what's the story. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, uh, the younger you issues. Yeah. <laughs> the younger issues. So they, yeah, so I think you sometimes need to inject new blood into... Um, but season four... I watched the first episode. I was like blown away. I was like, oh, oh no! I really, I really liked it. So, but it's it's different. It's a bit edgier than the other seasons. And uh, at the end of the season, you you'll get a little bit of a surprise, lah. There's a new cast. Actually, Lion Mouse is one surprising con- uh, that show that I am very surprised that like very veteran actors actually ask, hey, can I be part of it? Can I actually just come in for a few episodes? I say, yeah, of course, of course. Then we'll try to write them in. So, um, yeah, season four, the ending, you'll have a surprise. And also this season, um, yeah, like I said, Ejiela. Minnie went to jail last season, right? So she's going to come out of jail. So watch out for that. How, how would, you know, your child look at you after you've served three years? In jail. I'm just wondering, right? <clears throat> when you guys are writing, do you guys have because there's always this conversation going around, especially with Singapore being such a small market, how we need to reach out to you know international, and how do we do that? Because we are competing with not only English speakers but also like any other language that we write in. For me, I for me it's hard because if if you're looking at Surya, it's a Malay audience, and even within that pie, right? I always tell myself that uh, the Surya audience and there's the Malay audience. There are Malays who don't watch Surya, sadly, you know. And I think first and foremost, the that's Singaporeans who don't watch Singaporeans, so many yeah, of exactly. them. Exactly, <laughs> Singaporeans who don't watch, who don't watch the the local channels. That's yeah. that's sad. So I think what for for me in terms of how I I, I don't think about the audience first. It's always about the story. Will this story be something that would somebody's interest I think that's the first thing and if it does if it's uh, strange enough or unique enough or you know interesting enough then I think the audience will come if you do a good job then yeah definitely definitely that will work so when I did that uh, people said mm, I don't know whether people are gonna watch it and then when it's out when when people watch it they, there's this kind of word of mouth that spread and then Initially, I thought, okay, la, people kind of like it. Maybe it's, you know, people in Singapore kind of like it. And then when the show got sold to Astro, and then people, random people, random Malaysian people tried me down and then just posted stuff on my DM. Yeah, or should Instagram I say? DM, yeah. Uh, yeah. They weren't expecting something come uh, like this coming out from Singapore. And after that, there not even that, there were other producer friends from Malaysia that said, hey, that, that, that cultus that you did basically inspired us to to do something totally different. So these guys did sh- new shows where, you know, Malaysia always does um, like love stories or stories about mother-in-law hating the daughter-in-law, family fighting, affairs, those kind of things. And then suddenly there's a show about scammers. And then it was like, hey, your show is quite interesting. And it's like, yeah, you guys, you, you inspired me to do this. So I think in, in a way you don't write for for an audience. You just write for based on the story. Do that story justice. Produce it well. Direct it well. Tell the story well. And then eventually the audience will come. When I did this other show called Papa Pilot, um, the ratings on on TV wasn't great. Then they decided to put it on YouTube. MediaCorp decided to put it on YouTube. Right now it's 137,000 views, I think. I don't know. I haven't checked the last one yet. And it's not local viewers. It's viewers from Malaysia who are posting in the comment section. And you you know what they say, you know, people like to watch, they don't like to comment, they don't like to do stuff. Mm. If they like to if they left the comment, that means there must be something that really touched them. So so they will comment on the YouTube page saying that, oh, this is interesting. I'm from Brunei, I'm from Sabah, I'm from whatever. And it's all over the place. Indonesia, Indonesians are watching our shows. And then they were saying we didn't expect a telemovie of this quality to be uh, from Singapore. Mm-hmm. So I, I nice think to hear from them, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so, and, so and, and it's the same, Lion Mom. It's kind of nice. You got, a lot for, you got a lot for Last of Them as well yeah. on Netflix. Right? Yeah, a lot of comments from overseas. Yeah. Oh, is it? How, how I mean, you know? You were, but I, I did, I you did, did, I did. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, like, how you know you saw it? No, but yeah, we had comments from Belgium, from US, from Glasgow. So it's like, yeah. So I actually found out 
about Last Madam through Facebook. Because someone commented, oh yeah, I saw you on Last Madam, it was nice. So I was like, what's Last Madam? So you on Last Madam? No, like, I, I think they were saying, oh, oh, somebody. Somebody. <laughs> no, yeah, there's, um, there's this like Facebook group where uh, even like the Simu Liu, the, the new Marvel oh. guy is there as well. So they're always commenting, it's uh, called Sutter Asian Traits. Oh. So they were all like, um, I think so there are a few actors or actresses wow, there as there well. Wow, there you go. <laughs> so they would, when they comment and then you just, oh, I, uh, I saw you there. So I'm like, what is this? So I went to... Google it and found oh it's on Netflix and then so I'm halfway through it right now I kind of like it yeah so it's it's from there I'm yeah. just I'm just very curious to know how does it uh, how did you know that your show is gonna go on Netflix That's not my first show on Netflix we we actually know it for some time because they actually um confirmed it quite a while ago before so by the time it's on I was already like oh I already know it like for months and months before <laughs> yeah. so but of course when you first uh, heard about it really very happy lah because uh, usually they're very selective they try to the distributor try to push a lot of shows but they, they'll push they told, the distributor told me they push like 100 shows they'll probably pick like 8 or whatever wow. so that's yeah then I think what was happier also for me was uh, HBO Go picked it up and we were they picked out only 3 shows and we were the first 3 shows uh, local shows that they picked it up so that was also another uh interesting thing and then the what the distributor didn't tell me that it went on Amazon as well it was only uh, a friend said hey I'm watching it on Amazon then I realised that I called the distributor I said hey how come you didn't tell me oh yeah yeah it's also on Amazon so <laughs> so and then now it's being dubbed into Spanish as well for the South American audience so I'm very excited to see the Spanish version they're going to send me once it's, it's done so I think um, to go back to your last question um, I, I don't I, I didn't purposely do a show for any particular audience. Mm. And for me, um, I feel that, first of all, you must really believe in the show and you must like it yourself, if not why you do it, right? And uh, one of the things that I always tell my staff is that if you're not proud of your show, if you don't want to show your show to your mother, your wife, your, your kids, right, then don't do it, really don't do it. It's really a waste of time because it's very, very stressful, you know, and you have to try and do something that you want to, you know, your loved ones to watch. Yeah. And I actually do believe that, yes, while there are situations like his show and Shawshank Redemption, which he didn't do well, but then later on went on to be a classic, right? Mm -hmm. But I really, I really believe that most of the shows must do well in their home country. Then it will... I mean, not, not that must do well. Like, you have to appeal to, to a whole bunch of audience before, you know. There's certain universal things in good series that people recognize and... Um, if your show didn't do well locally, probably it's either a niche audience or they don't promote it well. Uh. <laughs> so because if they found an audience on YouTube, it means it's a good, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. So or maybe it's a niche show. It's really targeted to a certain group. That one is so, yeah, true. Because uh, some people just like the mass type, but if you do a niche show, then, you know, but it has to appeal to. So to answer your question, no, we didn't set out to do for a particular. We just thought, you know, hey, let's, let's put as much effort into this and see where how how good we can make it without you know losing too much money or without yeah so like some shows like we were like okay you cannot lose my I must make some money then some shows like last down you really just throw in everything law then boss over there say okay then I say, okay law <laughs> but, but, but how do you actually balance that though the whole idea of you know I if you need to keep within or make some money and yeah I need to keep it my is show a, it is how right? I'm the boss of my own company right that it, I decide does, yeah. and sometimes it's not it's not true that you know a lot of people think oh yeah no you guys boss you will like you know because there's pride, you know. You want your show to do well, right? Yeah, your name is there, right? So sometimes yeah. you spend more than, than you, you know. And I, you sometimes, a lot of times we, we, we give a lot more than, than you know, what is, the things that's not on the line item, but we also do it. I mean, to right. add on to what Jean just said, I think, like, for shows, like, the, the, the one that I did, Dystopia, which is very futuristic, there's a lot of... I don't know how you did it, it's amazing, CGI. it's very good. Basically, the intention was, basically, we had a conversation, uh, a group of us guys, we were talking, 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 and I was like, oh, I, I was thinking of doing this, but, you know, the CGI, like... Then the guy basically said, I can do that. Then I was like, how much is it going to cost, right? You have to ask. Then he gave me this crazy number. So I was like... 
Crazy low or crazy high? Crazy high, crazy high. <laughs> There's yeah, no such number. thing as crazy low. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they don't. Hey, oh, crazy high, but but then I was thinking, okay, because when when I write, you have to write. Uh, because the good thing is I'm a writer as well. So where, when when I write, I I think uh, I said to myself, okay, there's there's a few ways of getting this done. Uh, you do this with minimal actors, make the story strong, and uh, limited premise locations, oh, so yes. that you play on certain things, you save money on certain things, and then whatever extra you just put it there. So the guys who are doing the VFX, I basically said. I want a robot lah. Just give me a robot. <laughs> it's okay. The robot can move whatever. I'm happy. Then, but there's also a sense of pride that comes with the job as well because you need to fire your the people under you. Like, oh, yeah, we're gonna do the best thing and all that. I know it's gonna be difficult. I'm not paying you that amount that you are asking for. I'm paying you this much, but still, you know, what whatever that we're striving for is not because of the money. It's just to prove. That we can do it, ah. Yeah, we have the capabilities. We have the capabilities. We just don't exactly. have the resources. Resources, exactly. Yeah. We have the capabilities. So basically, dystopia is basically that to to tell um, whoever that's out there um, that there are people with capabilities, there are people with talent, there are people who are willing to put in that extra effort to make these things work. Uh, if only we had. The resources. Just hope that they won't see it and say, "Oh, you did it at that budget." Okay, uh, yeah. so now uh, we give it. <laughs> so, so, oh, that happens more often than not. You're hoping like it will be like the you see with this budget we can do yeah, this. Yeah, like yeah. you give us it, more, we can it, do but, more. Uh, happens, but usually uh. it's like, so you can do lesser. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having that conversation with you when we did the apocalypse as well, yeah. and then you were like, "No, no, you can't do that. It's too big. It's too big. You're killing yourself. Scale it down, bro. Scale it down." Yeah, I was like, I was like, in this scene, there will be like forty zombies that will come, and you and be like, "Are you forty? No lah, nine lah, nine, nine enough for you." <laughs> I realize there's no context as well for the audience over here because I I was uh yeah. Uh, for all of us who know, right, Mafus and Sean are working on a zombie film together. He didn't ask for nine. I was happy with forty. I put a stop at zombie dog and zombie babies. <laughs> I, eh? Basically, I was like, bro, scale it down, bro. No, no zombie dogs, like, no zombie like, babies. I was like, but Mafus, zombie babies, scary. They have no teeth. They bite you. Who know? Like, no, cannot. <laughs> and I wasn't as what exactly he did was exactly what I did. I was like, seriously, you want to do this, bro? And I'm like, this is gonna cost a lot of money, and this is coming from me who like. You know, just throw money at a project. So talking about apocalypse, which is out in December, and we know that zombies in particular is a very technical, it's a very integral part of this, and it's very iconic. To you know, the iconic part of this series. Um, how how do you want this series? To, how do you want people to react to this series? First of all, I think a lot of people uh have watched zombie flicks. They know what it's about. At the end of the day, like like I said, we we don't have the budget, the kind of budget to do really fanciful zombie stuff. We don't have elaborate sets. We don't have the luxury of time to make up like forty, sixty, hundred if. If we, even if we have the time, we I don't think we have the resources. No, I mean at that time when we were filming, during the first week, uh, the regulation was only ten people on screen. That would be a pathetic yeah. show, man. <laughs> pathetic zombie show, lah. You know, one person with like nine zombies chasing. And I remember like, calling up posts. I remember calling up posts and says, okay, I'm gonna need to multiply my zombies. How do I do that? And the guy is like, okay, <laughs> this is how you do it. But but to 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 multiply also means you need a lot of time. Yeah. So I was telling Shaw, it's like it's it's gonna be difficult. So let's just do this. Let's just film the scenes where you don't require as many zombies, mm. you know, and hope the audiences will be drawn to the story and the characters. And that's mm. basically what I went about doing. Because when I told Shaw to scale down, like, okay, zombie baby out, zombie dogs <laughs> out, whatever, you know, I basically we discussed and we said you know that you you need to get to the heart of the story. It needs to be a story about people in a, a zombie setting, not all the zombies in a human setting. So it needs to be the story about how um, they survive, and it's not just about surviving the zombies, but surviving each other. I think that's very important. So each character, we decided to like really give it, really think through the psychology of how you would react. If let's say you think your your life is all good, everything is set out and all that, and then suddenly this happens, how what how would that affect your train of thought, your thinking, or how you plan, you know, how you could become like you know, 
uh, how would you react to certain tough situations? Uh, and all those things are being explored uh, by yeah. the different characters. And it also helps that each of the characters are going through a, a tough time. Um, you know, trying to deal with personal issues, personal issues, family issues within themselves. So you, so basically, it's like that. Basically, if it's, it's, it's human like condition. growing up with zombies, lah. It's, it's a human condition, basically. <laughs> it's a human story. It's, it's about a it's, story between yeah. family, the interaction. But what I don't understand is why do everybody think that drama is about like crashing cars exactly. or exactly. explosions? Exactly. Exactly. Some of the best dramas I watch, right? Sometimes it's just two people talking, mm-hmm. but of course I can't be talking about mundane stuff. But there's always, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like recently there's a show that's uh, is DP right on uh, Netflix. So this just I, I didn't watch the show, but I only watched the opening scene, and the scene was one character, one guy, and he was just being scolded, and behind him was a nail, oh. so he was retreating, and it was just one person, and for me that was wonderful drama because he was backing and he was backing, and his superior was like you know scolding him, and nobody knows there was a nail right behind. So can you imagine it's just one person and this huge drama. You don't need a car crash. You don't need a so, whatever. So is that so, how how Oka works with all, all your shows? I think you have to find the drama in human human condition. So yeah. two people talking, as long as there is there is you have to find that nail in the situation. Mm-hmm. I, right. I you have to find that that, that, that nail in the situation and the situation. It doesn't need to be an exploding car. You can have ten exploding cars and the show will still have not have drama. So that is how you pass Gene's test. <laughs> But especially now when, 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 when we are, you know, when especially when they're shooting under the conditions where we are right now. So that ke- leads me to the next question is how do you guys keep, I think you guys have still been very prolific in spite of all the constraints we had in the last 18 months. How, how have you kept No, you kept I think last year we had six months of no shoot, but you know. Yet you still managed to produce. It's like, I think the last 18 months made it even more inhospitable in a sense. Mm. So how do you keep going in, that, in, you know, in spite of this? just have to I think a lot of things changed and I think we were one thing good about Ochre was we very quickly um, got on to the so when when the even before the first CB was announced uh, I remember we were super kiasu of course we had to quickly change the workflow and I, I think it, um, it also helped I was sort of co-opted to be the part of the committee that mm. was um going to regulate our own industry mm-hmm. um, by IMD asked a few of us to sort of think like how can the industry still function which is why nowadays you keep getting the circulars right like yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. how many people yeah. all that so that came from the original committee and after that they they, they I, I didn't join the subsequent ones so uh, yeah so 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 we adhere quite strictly to that and uh, again appealing to everyone because if one um, the, you just need one bad apple in the industry to, you know, then they'll come in and clamp. So we were very careful. So Pedro, Pedro my partner in life and in, at work, will personally brief at every production what they're supposed to do, what they're su- not supposed to do. So when he, the big boss come in and brief about health, oh, right, you better sit up. Yeah, so <laughs> he will say that, you know, eating that time, please don't talk to each other one meter apart and stuff like that. Lah. We have to, and I think we're quite, very, quite early we adopted. So these are the kind of things that I feel that um, it will give confidence to the powers that be to say, okay, your industry is quite mature, please. So some industries, I just look at the KTV industry, they're so <laughs> naughty, right? So die lah. So you see, it just takes one bad egg to. So I think yeah. we all have to be responsible to, yeah, do the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because mm. it's not only your production that gets correct, shut down. Correct, correct, correct. Right, yeah. something happens. It's really the whole industry. What Jin said is true, lah. When when you're doing that project, um, we have to make sure that we abide by the rules. Just I think that's important as well you know keeping yourself healthy and whatnot and it comes with all those things in a way it sort of makes you rush as well i mean in the sense that because you know things are quite chaotic and so it's like while things are quite uh, ever changing so while things are quite relatively stable now let's quickly push ahead and finish our show that's why you get like crazy call sheets uh, where you have like so many scenes a day but i mean i understand I understand. Because uh, um, you're, you're very you, afraid, right? That tomorrow suddenly they may give you a new rule and then that makes your situation different. True, yeah. true, true. And I totally understand that. That's why, I mean, as best as we can, we try. But at the same time, you can't do it at the risk of pushing everyone's health to where it's not ideal and then people might fall sick. You know? Because like Jin said, if one person falls sick, then it 
affects that production and then in turn will ripple into other productions as well and you don't want that mm. so yeah you just have to be i think at that time when you see so many scenes i think as a director because when you write is a different kind of mode i will like write all these oh, beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. things and then when you direct is a different kind of head it's like who is this stupid writer when it's actually <laughs> like why does he write all these things so complicated never mind you just do this, 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 this and it'll still work like, i'm just lucky that so that's I can... why your one page became 10 seconds yeah. you're the stupid writer <laughs> it was another i will say it. it was another man i was crying you know how bad that was that was so bad right? because the ratings were so good everyone watched it during the night of uh high raya eve and then the next day it was Hari Raya and then everyone was sh- like everyone every single relative came to me it's like you did that show ah. it's okay lah try better next oh, what the oh, hell oh, I thought they were going to praise you about. Try, try better next time oh, I was no. like oh. at that time I was thinking I sh- should I release anonymously this script out in the open in the internet let people read it was like cannot lah I was like I poured in my heart and soul into this script and then it was at that moment where did I decided, he direct ever again I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I haven't I haven't seen his name in the credits for a while. Because the 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 programmer executive actually called me. And I was like, "Yes, I wrote the script. You approved the script. I don't know what happened. I was away overseas filming this other show." Ah. But you're not EP, what? Why I'm not you? I'm not the EP exactly, but they were calling me. I don't understand why. So I said, "You can talk to the EP. You can ask him." Usually the EP gets there. it. We'll get a earful. <laughs> I, I, I don't know I, they call the writer to, to be fair they didn't, they didn't call me to scold me they were asking like what happened oh. so I was like I don't know it was it was the script did you change the script did you change anything to the script I said no whatever that I w- was written I gave it to you you approved it that went to the production house so yeah you check with them <laughs> as the EP uh, you basically have to take it all the sh- it's, it's ultimately it's your fault <laughs> at the end of the day it's our fault right <laughs> so Sean, get ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it could but, be the praise or so, the good stuff or so is yours. <laughs> In an easier way, I feel, I mean, uh, not an easier way, if I want to like sort of um, be a bit philosophical about it. In a way, zombie films, explosions, everything, is slightly easier to do a drama. Because I think drama is all about it's all about humans and the psychology and the the emotions in whatever situation you're in, right? That's where we we have that fuse and the, the, the what we call the drama inside it. And I think if you film something like just two people talking, it's very hard for someone to like an audience to like. But that won't happen, like, You know, that's so hard to happen. But if you put but yourself if you have two into people talking, and then you see one of them is texting the lover. And he's talking to his wife. Then there's a drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like to it's to put that that kind of um situation where you're like, oh, I can understand why this person is doing that. For example, I, I feel so. It's how to say, you know, even a zombie. There's there's this kind of element where you're exploring human psyche that will not happen in a usual situation. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's so hard to achieve it in real life that you never get the chance to go and explore this kind of psyche then I feel that's the whole point of an apocalypse or a zombie film where they you know you, if you erase human society no, and all your constraints you break it down to the easy, the like base level what's a human gonna do right. that's true but it's also a different stress because I remember I, I, me- <laughs> I remember I remember when I was doing it I was like people are gonna laugh at my zombie if it looks ugly <laughs> because you know it's like this, yeah, it's a sense of this the CGI well, one, one part of it is that the actual like that's why sometimes it's very hard if you don't have enough resources to yeah, because we're like, always being compared I think the, yeah, the challenge exactly. in Singapore is we have been in a global market from mm-hmm. the get go we are not a protected market we don't have that's we're not protected by language we're not protected by whatever you know so we are judged side by side with shows that is like multiple times our budget so how how do we fight that? You, 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 it's very hard, but you so you try not to write. Having said that, I'm very stupid, like I always write things that's, that's <laughs> so you try not to write things that you 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 know you can't do you can't execute very well. So the the but, the, the trick but is if to you want to write it, then you must make sure there's a way around it, like mm. what he did with dystopia, and hopefully with your zombie. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, I can I want to see our version of zombie. I think the other element that I feel is is it 
is uh, will get your show attention is authenticity. Mm. Because if you are just copying somebody else's, you know, uh, story or you know genre, then this. But I, th- I think people always recognize, uh, and shows that work internationally, they recognize a certain authenticity. Authenticity, in spite of the universal themes, right? Like you know, is why we watch Narcos. You know, there's a certain unique, you know, authenticity to Colombia or whatever. That you know, oh, wow, yeah, I really want to know, you know, what the world is. So, so for last, madam, how do you do that then? Because it's nineteen hundred years ago. Research, research, right? research. It wasn't hundred years ago. It was now. about I mean, yes, it yeah, like, yeah, almost it's about a hundred years. Thirty-seven. How much of it was based on real? It was all honestly. The writing, mm-hmm. right, is not, it's not that difficult. You know why? Because there's so much stories that I could glean from history, from books, and all that. So I just have to rework it. So I read about like how one uh, wife went to look for a virgin for the husband that time, uh, but so I worked that into an episode. I, I read about how prostitutes were cheated uh, by the you know people who wanted to buy them out. So that, that became another episode. So it wasn't terribly. So it was very. It was more fun than anything. To so it's yeah. Some other shows are more difficult. Then yeah, and it's you, like and you let your son watch that. No, he, <laughs> so like, I, I didn't. He want, he want to watch it, but uh, he, then I said no. Then he said, "But mommy, I'll cover my eyes at the parts that you." <laughs> Just tell but, me when but, to cover but my eyes. But he was on set. I didn't know one one day he did a set visit. I didn't realize I was filming a like a sex scene. So he actually sat next to me like. <gasps> You cannot watch Go outside. Go outside. <laughs> it wasn't the 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 super whatever, but there was like some grouping here and then. I'm like, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> I forgot he was there, and, and he was like. <laughs> yeah, but actually, talking about the the international audience kind of that situation, right? Where I think there's there's two ways of two sides of the coin of looking at it. Platform like Netflix, for example, where it exposes you to so many other countries and languages and just so much more content out there um, I think in a way I feel that has actually opened the audience eyes to more local films I don't know in a very roundabout way it has like gone they, they basically watch everything and they realize that all around the world the I'm talking from my point of view actually all around the world the stories are around like this one. <laughs> you know? It's it's all about human um the the human aspects of, of living like that. And they're talking about their own lives, yeah. Um and after a while it's not about the fancy CGI, it's not about the, the, the big explosions, you know, it's not about the big budget anymore. You just want I think like what you said, the authenticity of the story, the human aspect of it. And then after a while it just comes back to oh, there's a local film out there, and then I think I can relate more to it than that that Swedish film that I was watching last week. You know, I I think in a roundabout way it has just brought us back to the roots a little bit more because you've seen everything, you know that this is what's out there already, and after a while I just realized I think I'm gonna watch a little bit of home a bit. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I mean, it's true. The big budget does help though. <laughs> it does, does help. help. It does help. I'm not denying but, yeah, yeah, that. But, but, yeah, it's true. Yeah, but as an audience, you know, I realize after a while it doesn't quite matter. I just want to find something that I can relate you know, to. Watch good shows, la. It doesn't yeah. matter where it's from. Yeah. yeah, that's right. No, but then there's the fan, fan, uh, fan audience as well who are just I only only watch K drama and nothing else. Just K drama. Yeah. Yeah. I hope but. things are changing. I, I, I know there is a self, uh, a kind of like um, low esteem of uh, many Singaporeans towards local content. But th- like I said, the, the, we, it's very difficult for producers like us because we are always judged with the best out there. They, they forget that Singapore used to, I mean, even before Netflix, they used to take in the best of Hollywood, the best of, yeah. you know, uh, Japan, the best of everything. So we are judged against the best, you know, and now Netflix also is the best. Mm. So they forgot that in America itself, there's like probably 99% of, you know, rubbish. 90% of rubbish <laughs> as well. So we really get, but then in every country, they will have, they, they will have good and bad stuff. So I think, and I was very gratified when, you know, um, Recently, when uh, I don't, you know, Ikun, right? He's a lecturer, uh, mm-hmm. and he texts me and says that he was having a discussion with his class. You know, like you know, who do you think is a globally, you know, underrated director? And then the kid said, Jinyo. 
Then he quickly texted me and said, Whoa, wow. like, I'm so touched. Hey. No, but it shows one thing. It shows there's hope in our young audience that they're discerning. And I think it's also good that, uh, I mean, especially... Because we, we in the last last episode, I mean, we were talking to Jason and, and Christian, and they were saying at that point they, they they felt that when they were doing their, their their series, there was this very clear line like you you do you are web and then your TV, and then and then they so they had to work with a lot less than than TV because people thought oh, you know no one's gonna they, 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 no but now that no I one's think, investing no one's a investing lot in, in, web. in web but now I think that they kind of realized that 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 line is kind of like gone. It's like you know they they just do. They don't really discern and, and, and divide you in that sense. I think the point I was trying to make is that now with like with social media as well, like how I told you, I watched last, I found out about Last Matter. It was not because I heard about it through the industry. It was through social media. And you realise that, and it was not even local social media. It was really someone from overseas that was watching it. It was, it was an Asian overseas. And then I think because when we grow up, we, we sort of, get bored a little bit with what we're seeing around us. We just say this is everyday life. But you realise that um, what we find unique in other people's um, culture and content, other people are finding unique about our culture and our content as well. And that makes us like take another look, like take a closer look at it and think, Oh yeah, have be prouder of our own yeah, culture, right? Our right. own history. Actually, we have amazing stories. Yeah, I just don't agree with people who says that Singapore, yeah, very boring. You know, has I, I, I disagree. I, I disagree yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that we have no culture, that we're bland. Yes, we can be more vibrant, but we forgot that uh, our history is it's just a colonial history that is two hundred years old. But we have seven hundred or eight hundred years of yeah. like the pirates of the time, the the the, the kingdoms of the time. I wish I had the budget to do. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. I can imagine like nineteen. <laughs> that's, that's like the what do you call that bucket list. So <laughs> bucket list. So Jean wants to make a period drama that's two hundred years in. From before. The, the stories. Oh, the stories yeah, are the so kingdoms interesting. are so interesting. You know, you have the Thais coming in. You have the Dutch. You have the Portuguese. You have yeah. all kinds. It's, it's really yeah. amazing drama that we we keep forgetting that we are not Singapore. Yes. We all just we focus a lot on colonial history. We forgot that there was a history before, and mm. there was a history after, which is modern Singapore, yeah. which is post Lee Kuan Yew and all that. But yeah. is, is before that, that, there's a whole lot Basically of history. Basically, just just imagine a Game of Thrones. Oh, oh yeah. You know, you and at, murder at, and at, sex <laughs> at a scale where and, and those stories do exist. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I've always liked history, but I, I, I was sharing with somebody else that. The reason why I didn't take history was because in our time, very stupid lah. You think science is the prestigious course, so mm. I there wasn't a there wasn't a combination I could take science and history. So I actually dropped history for literature. Oh. Then I yeah, but I, I mean after I grow, I realized that sometimes there's 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 certain truth to to following your passion because. Like my mom also say like why yeah literature what can you do you cannot make anything you can only be teacher right so but it definitely helped me in my writing it definitely yeah, helped me in my so I'm sure history would have helped me too so. no I have to say because I went through his I mean I only went to like secondary school lah but it was to me that was already like a, a rather deep dive for that education period right it's very boring it was only after. I came out after that. I, even though I scored very well in history, I have to say thanks to my history teacher. History like, is so like, interesting. Uh. Yeah, even like last, madam, you mean you were talking about these stories, right? These stories are real. Yeah, they're real. Yeah, they're real. Yeah, but I didn't make any of it up. In yeah. fact, the real stories are even greater yeah, than older than you can <laughs> imagine, right? So yeah. the only made-up oh, story. Oh, you know, like it's very interesting. So recently, I got a call. Um, from someone in Malaysia, she is the descendant of okay. Maybe I, I cannot say, uh, but a very very prominent uh, person in the past. So she was saying, you know, um, I watched your last Madame. This is Malaysia. Out of nowhere, I don't know where she got my number. And then, oh, she reached out to me through Facebook. And then she said, do you know? I can imagine my great grandfather. She's the cat man of that Madame. She was a cat. In the real life, is she was a cat man of a brothel owner so I, said, I can imagine him being kept by Joanne Pei I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> so she, then she gave me she, she said do you want are you interested in doing a story on this person and I said yeah and now she's giving me her story her she's in Malaysia but she ran away because of the Jap- Japanese and mm-hmm. now she's like putting me in touch with her relatives here who are descendants of this wow. person I can't say too wow. much because she didn't give me permission to say but 
so the show does have a sort of life of its own. So, and it's so interesting that I that one I didn't even I sort of make it up that you know. Um, there was such a powerful brothel owner, but the fact that she said her great grandfather was a kept person, and he's somebody in our history books, you know. So he was a the great grandfather. Uh, uh, so he was a kept woman, but and he his first business was the money was given by the brothel owner. So I'm like, wow, I'm quite spot on, huh? <laughs> Even though that bit of the story was kind of made up that it was such a luxurious brothel because most of the brothel that we know then was not so luxurious, but because of a background uh, which was authentic to the times that she was an English ed- educator and all that, she would uh, be able to come up with a brothel like that. So yeah, so that was the creative license. But then on high side, it's not such a fiction anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's this, right. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. So interesting, yeah. I was I was like completely blown when she said, yeah, my great-grandfather was a cat man. <laughs> the project's coming up. What do you guys have? You know, what you guys have in the works? Apocalypse. Huh? We're, mm. we're hoping it'll get done. It'll, TX date is 31st December. It's, the first, it's supposed to be the first NC16 uh, oh, really? on Me Watch uh, mm. for... for um, Especially for I think Malay Malay audiences, especially so in the, so it's a bit it's a it's a risk that we're taking. Well, it should pay off. Okay. Of course, it's gonna pay off. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it will pay off. I wanna say, I was a zombie inside. Yeah, <laughs> I made her run yes, and run. Yeah. No, it's yeah, another it's another it. thing that you do as EP like oh today we don't have enough zombies then you start to get a phone book. Okay, who? <laughs> yeah, and I was having supper, and she came along and I was like looking at her like then she was like. Zombie makeup, full on zombie makeup. Like <laughs> then I kept eating. I didn't realize what her. Then like look, yenling ah. <laughs> took me yeah, like a good like, like thirty right next seconds. To him. She was right next to me. She was like giving me the eye. Like it's like wait, why is this extra? Like <laughs> <laughs> they want to sit beside me. Then like look at me. Oh, weird. No, yeah, I mean, I, okay, I I have to say thank you to all my friends who showed up, sat there. Two hours of prosthetic, forty-five minutes to remove. All all the running I made them do. It took it took months to get to to to, to, to hack that to hack yeah. that because we made all the moles in the fun. Yeah, and yeah. Yes, are crazy. Yeah. I'm really yeah. looking forward. Anyway. I wish you all the best. I hope. Like. December is also when Lion's Mum was coming up for the next season, right? Yeah, December. Would, I don't know what's the exact date. I forgot. But yes, the season four is coming up. Yeah. Jean, you take this one, which is you know when you were first starting out, maybe maybe when you. <laughs> When you had your first episode writing of the growing up, the iconic growing up uh, episode, what would you say to yourself if you know you had the chance, the chance to talk to the person, talk to the person you were back then today? I would say that just have the confidence, just be sure um, that if you want to do something, if you believe in yourself, just go for it. Don't have so much doubts. Don't go through so much agony. I think, uh, believe it or not, uh, some one of my bosses did tell me that you are not cut out to be a director. You are. You can only be a writer. So that's what <laughs> she told me. So, I mean, if I had believed that, then I wouldn't have pursued it, right? If I And it's, it's very powerful when you were young girl and then you know somebody actually said that you know mm. yeah a good writer you don't try directing like just stick to writing so if i had so of course that time is easier it's easier to say now when you already you've really tried it but then then it's a lot of like oh no I re- maybe he's right maybe he's right why if i you know can't do it and even when i want to come up to do okra right a lot of well many people i tell you they really have your interest but then they will tell you things like it don't know, it's very difficult, you should die one now. You won't, you know, you will die, you will, you know, <laughs> you'll fall, you know, because there are other production houses that's come out and folded awesome. before. So if I had believed those voices, right, I wouldn't have persisted. So I think there's something about me that's probably a bit stubborn. So sometimes I think you would have to go with certain gut feel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not, it's very uncool on. So when I first come up with, when, with Woka Pictures, right, we went to pitch, I don't know why it's a pitch, you know, I, I bring storyboard and show them and people are like, this clown, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> so was there ever a moment in for yourself or for Oka after running for 20 years uh, or more? Um, was there ever a moment where you thought, okay, that's it, I'm never going to lift this down, I'm finished right now? What do you mean? Where, like, is there, has there ever been one incident in particular, one project where you thought, okay, I'm never going to lift this moment down, this is, this is it, I've, I'm finished? Is it like and, it's and, so bad Yeah, that it's I'm so finished. bad. If, and then you had to come back from that. Was there, and how did you do that? Not quite. There have been shows that I definitely wish that, you know, I could have, 
you know, done something better and all that. But I don't think there was a moment where I am, yeah, not, not, not really. It's like, how, how, how do you fix that? How do you do better? Or sometimes it's a, a simple case of, you know, I learned that you cannot be done at the best. So the, what I'm telling you now is actually from really painful personal experiences that when you pitch something, right, you better make sure that you can deliver it within the budget. So a lot, of, when I was younger, I pitched crazy stuff with budgets that definitely can't see it through and it will look cheesy and it'll look bad. So so that's a lesson that I learned the hard way, you know. It's not a lesson that I sort of, you know. So so then I learned, uh, don't pitch those kind of things. If the budget is like that, then don't, don't pitch. Don't, don't try not to do it. So that's <laughs> how you balance you it think, and you, you just pitch what's producible and not. Um, yeah, that even if I want to push, then I know, then I'll, I'll, I'll have to be very honest with myself. In this, this case, you're not going to make money. I'm sorry. You just have to put everything inside. Then you, you know, do something. Uh, but that comes with this, experience. So, right? Correct, okay, correct. Yeah. This it's is not a, something a very like, hard earned. Yeah. Very hard earned. I think it's a certain try. gut, right, for a young young person. Like, the most you... stupidity. <laughs> the most you feel lost, stubbornness. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. must be prepared for people to say, I told you so, right? I told you not to do it. Mm. But if you succeed, then it's like... Another story. Yeah, you could have yeah. gone the other way, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thank you so much to both of you for coming on to our show, taking the time for having out. us. It's a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, so for all the all our listeners who want to follow you, all your shows and your company, uh, your companies and productions, what, what are your social media handles? Mine is Bigfoos on Instagram. So you can look for Bigfoos. It's like Bigfoot, but with a Z in the end. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically I post a lot of stuff there, whatever production related and whatnot. I think uh, my handle is Oka Pictures. Is, yeah, hashtag Oka Pictures, and uh, for Lion Mums is Lion underscore Mums M U M S M U M S M O M S M U M S U M S because we are British because we are British colony. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Watch Apocalypse on Me Watch from the 31st of December 2021. That's A-P-O-K-A-L-I-P-S Apocalypse. You can also watch Last Madame, Land Mums 4 and all previous seasons on Me Watch. From all of us at Uncool, together with the team at the Freelance Creative Exchange Podcast, we thank you for listening and wish you all the best for 2022. Happy New Year! <laughs>